Welcome to the Semper Reformata podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and reading from verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. I pause there because I want to come back to this next Lord's Day. I want to particularly consider these three simple verses. (laughs) They're not too simple. We're going to have to try and unpack them. Let's think about what we have learned from Ephesians chapter 2 so far. Paul's account of how God has rescued these Gentile Christians in Ephesus continues. They have been personally and individually rescued from their sin. They have been brought into God's eternal kingdom. They are his redeemed people. God has plans for them. And those plans include using them as a demonstration of his mercy, of his love, and of his kindness. On that great day, when he demonstrates his power and judgment and holiness and righteousness in all of the universe, Now on that day, as now, God only has one people, his elect. The redeemed multitude of every age. We're told about them in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. We're told that they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Just one group of people. And this idea of the unity of the redeemed people of God is another theme that we find running through Ephesians. It's a core belief of Christianity. In Ballymacashan, where I Uh, speak on Sunday mornings. Um, When we come around the Lord's table, we would say the words of the Apostles' Creed. And of course, the Apostles' Creed reminds us, I believe in one holy Catholic church, or in the more modern version that we use, one holy universal Christian church. Let's remind ourselves that there is a qualification to that before we go all ecumenical. The people who are in that one holy universal church are those who are saved by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, as Paul has already explained in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the people who are in God's kingdom the single nation, 
the people who will be in heaven, the people who will make up that vast throng on that day that's described in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, are those who are saved by grace through faith alone, not through works. So that's very important. Now having said all that, Paul is confronted with a serious problem here. Because despite this, the Jews as a nation, as an ethnic group, actually despise and hate the Greeks, the Gentile races. The Jews of Paul's day are full of spiritual pride. A Jew wouldn't eat with a Gentile. A Jew wouldn't enter the home of a Gentile, a righteous Jew. In fact, to be in contact with a Gentile would render a Jew unclean. And if a Jewish man was to marry a Gentile woman, his family would actually hold his funeral because he was dead to them. So you can see the problem that has to be resolved here. Jewish people are coming to Christ and they're being saved and brought into God's kingdom. And one day they'll stand in that great throng of redeemed people. And Gentiles too are coming to faith in God through Christ. They too will be there on that day, redeemed by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So Paul is asking us how then to persuade them that they are just one single people in Christ. So tonight for a few moments I want to talk to you about the end of partition. We've only got two points. The first point is prejudice and peace walls. And the second point is the peace process. We're going to say those two things this evening. Prejudice and peace walls and the process of peace. Paul's using two dramatic illustrations to prove his point here. He's talking about being brought near, and he's talking about a wall. Look first of all at Ephesians 2 and verse 13. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You think of secular Greek society. It was an immoral cesspit, pretty much like today. There were people in that society, Greeks, who saw the Jews. And they saw these people who were living decent moral lives, upright people, religious people, people who were trying to live according to the law of God. And some of these Greek people would have wanted to live such lives themselves. They wanted to clean up their life. They were perhaps fed up with the blatantly idolatrous worship of the Greeks. Remember, Paul's writing to people in Ephesus, where there is this huge pagan temple with ritual prostitution, with the slaughtering of of animals, with idolatry going on. And they see all of this and they realize there's nothing in it. So they take themselves down to the local synagogue where these clean living people are. And they sit at the back. And they attach themselves to the synagogue. And 
They become God-fearers. They would listen to the lectures of the rabbis and the synagogue leaders, and some of these God-fearers might even convert to Judaism. Now that would be a long process, and a very arduous process. A process that included long periods of instruction in the law. A process that included ritual cleansings, and eventually would lead to circumcision. And all of that process from beginning to end would be known as bringing nigh. Bringing nigh, coming nigh. So the Jews and some of the Gentiles would know what Paul was talking about in verse 13 when he says, Now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. They are brought in to the nation of Israel. Mind you, it's not outward religion that brings you into the nation of Israel. It's not ritual cleansings that make the Gentiles in the church at Ephesus uh, close to God. It's not uh, circumcision. What is it? Well, Paul tells us in verse 13, we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. To become a Jew required the cutting away of sinful flesh, the shedding of blood. But to come into God's people, to come into God's Israel, required the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God. It takes away the sins of the world. So prejudice against the Gentiles, and yet they are brought nigh. They're brought right in to the place where they are God's people through the cross. The second illustration that Paul uses is a wall. Look at verse 14. For he is our peace, who has made, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The Jews had the very first peace wall. Down in Belfast, you can find the there's peace walls all over the place. Sometimes in strange and congruous places, you could walk along a street and suddenly this high wall appears, cutting the street into two parts. Uh, a wall that's supposed to keep the peace, strangely misnamed for they don't bring people together in peace. They actually separate people and keep warring factions apart. But Paul uses this as an illustration, and it's an illustration, again, that would be well known to the Jews. It's a well-known reference to the temple at Jerusalem. Of course, you'll know that the temple had a series of courts, the courts of the temple. The outer court, right at the very edge of the temple, was the temple of the court of the Gentiles. And then the next court was the court of the women, then the court of the Israelites, then the court of the priests, and eventually the holiest place of all, the place where the Jews believed that God dwelt among them. And a Gentile could only go into the very first of these courts, the court of the Gentiles. And between the court of the Gentiles and the next court, the court of the women, was a wall. 
A large wall. A very ornate wall. A wall on which was posted a series of warnings, threatening notices written in various languages, warning any Gentile that if they go any further, they would be under severe penalty of death. They would be put to death. And that death would be their own fault. Strange enough, the Romans who governed Jerusalem at this time were happy enough to allow that to take place. They were prepared to step back on that one occasion. Uh, a Jewish court, the Sanhedrin, could not pass the sentence of death. That could only be done by the Romans. But if a man walked in, a Gentile man or woman, were to walk in through that wall, through the door, into the courts of the temple, the inner courts, and he was stoned in there, put to death, well, so be it. So masterfully, Paul has illustrated in two ways how these barriers are removed. The barrier of prejudice. The wall being demolished. How, they're, how the, 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 the people of the, of the Gentile nations are being brought within the covenant people and being made covenant partakers of the covenant promises of God. How they are made now. How there is no longer any barrier to them coming close to God. For figuratively speaking, the wall has been demolished by the Lord Jesus. It was demonstrated at his death when the veil of the temple was rent in two. Let's pause to see what the Bible says about this. In Galatians 3 and 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 and 11. Where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Romans 10 and verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the prejudice is destroyed and the walls are broken down. And there is only one way to heaven. We cannot stress that enough. And it is through Christ and through his shed blood on the cross it is by grace that ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's only one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek, a man or a woman, part of the aristocracy, or a beggar in the street. There's only one way to come. And that is the way of the cross, humbly surrendering to Christ, repenting of all of your sin and trusting him. So we've looked at two parts of this first point, 
have looked at prejudice and saw that the Gentiles have been brought near. And we've looked at these peace walls that have been demolished in Christ. Let's think of the peace process for a minute. How did Jesus bring us near? How did he break down the wall of partition that separated us? Well, Paul gives us two answers in our text. Here's the first one. It's in verse 14. He says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Now look at the wording of that. It's very clear and very deliberate. Paul doesn't tell us here that Jesus gives us peace, even though that's true. He doesn't tell us that he creates peace between us or in us, which is also true. What he tells us here is that it is Christ himself who is our peace. Our peace is in a person, in a relationship with a person. Both these Jews and these Gentiles have met the Saviour. Think of how Paul has described our unconverted state in verse 12. He tells us that we were without Christ, the very opposite to what we are now. We are without Christ. We are aliens. We're strangers from the covenants of promise. We have no hope. We are without God. We're in the world. We're far away from God in our sins. Far off. But we have been made nigh. Our unconverted state, we have no relationship with him. We're separated with him from him. And that's been the case right from the Garden of Eden. When after Adam's sin, God cast him out of the garden and placed flaming swords to keep him out of the gates, to make him estranged, to prevent him from entering God's holy and undefiled presence. He was an alien, and so are we. He was a stranger, and to this day we are strangers from God. We are hopeless wanderers through this world. And so it has been from that day to this. But that has changed. Because of Jesus, we have a relationship with God. We can enter into his presence. Why? Because he is our peace. It is he who made peace with God for us. Romans 5 and verse 1. In verse 2, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, it's only in Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We can come into God's presence in Christ. We can draw nigh to God in Christ. There's peace between us and our Creator in Christ. We who were strangers to God are now the friends of God. 
We who were aliens are now brought into the kingdom and we are citizens of the kingdom of God with all the rights that gives us. We who were outside God's confidence are now the inheritors of the promises made to Abraham. We who had no hope, we now have assurance. We have the Lord God with us. We have entered into a relationship with God through Christ, and he is our mutual father. Down the page a little bit at verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, ye are no longer, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So he brought us near because he is our mutual peace. And secondly then, second part of the process, is that he destroyed barriers because he fulfilled the law for us. Verse 15. All right, we start from verse 14. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity we have with God and with one another, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And what does that mean? Contained in ordinances. What made the Jews think that they were different from everybody else was that they had the law of God. They had the Torah. They had the law of God codified in the Ten Commandments and applied in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And the law was their rule of faith and practice for every righteous Jew. And the law had to be rigorously applied to everyday life so that the Jew, in his mind, could enter into the temple and could worship God, thinking that his righteousness had met God's standards. Now, we know that was a hopeless task. No one could ever keep the law perfectly. They all fail and fall short. So in order to prevent the breaking of the law, as you know, the Jews invented this glut of smaller laws to make sure that they didn't break God's big law in the Pentateuch. And those ordinances is what Paul's talking about here. Talks about how that he might break down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. We don't need those anymore. Neither Jew nor Greek. As long as they're born again, as long as they know Christ, then they don't need that long list of petty laws that's going to help them, they think, to keep the law. These ordinances regulated their lives. And even with their rigid determination to keep the law, those ordinances failed in their task. To any impartial observer, what the law did was that it taught you that you couldn't keep the law. Paul, a Pharisee himself, came to that conclusion. 
Galatians 3 and 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. That's because Jesus fulfilled the law for us. Because he was the only person who could ever keep it. And he didn't keep it by means of the Jewish ordinances. He kept it because he was perfect. Because he was without sin. Because he was God's sinless and spotless son. So he kept the law for us. So in Matthew chapter 5 and 17... He says, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He fulfilled the law. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believed. You can't get your righteousness by living a good life and perfectly keeping God's law. It won't work. You'll feel But Jesus did it, and he did it for you, and he did it for me, for everyone that believes. In Colossians 2 and verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. How did he do that? Paul says it here, nailing it to his cross. In his perfect obedience to God, Christ fulfilled the law, and we are in Christ. So God has brought us all together. All those who rejoice in free salvation, all those who are his redeemed people, all those who are saved by grace alone, in Christ alone, by bringing us into a personal relationship with his son. So breaking down the the war, the enmity between God and man and by removing the barriers that had previously existed. He did this because he became our peace. And he did this by fulfilling the law perfectly and nailing that law to the cross. The result of all of this, of course, is that God and I only has one people. Not Christians and Jews. Not Jews and Messianic Jews and Christians, not Christians and Jews and Millennium Saints or anything of the sort, or Tribulation Saints. He has just one single nation. That nation is his true Israel. That nation is his covenant people from every age. And what unites those people, every single one of them, is that they have been rescued out of the slavery of sin by a merciful God through the work of Christ. So what is Israel? It is all of God's people. Gathered in together, brought nigh together, with no barriers between them. The Jews who have repented and trusted Christ. The Gentiles who have repented and trusted Christ. All together, God's people are all Israel. The Israel that will be saved in the last day is not a nation or a religion or a cultural or ethnic identity. 
God's Israel is his people. People drawn from all of history. People for whom Christ died on the cross. People who have been redeemed unto God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.